eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on President's Day. It is Monday, February 20th, 2023. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by Patrick Murphy. Hopefully a lot of you are off work today. Patrick and I are just, you know, nose to the grindstone here talking uh, Ohio State sports. Really, really tough work here. But seriously, we're going to talk a lot of football on today's show. We're going to end with some basketball, unfortunately. But let's start with some football. Not new news, but something that happened last week, Patrick. Uh, I know you did the story for our side on it. Uh, Washington, Ohio State was going to have a home-and-home with Washington in 2024 and 2025. They have canceled that. Um, Get into why they canceled it, and are you hearing, you know, who might replace Washington on the schedule? I think it'll be interesting to answer your second question first to see what the Buckeyes do because obviously you're, you know, a year and a half away from that 2024 season and finding another – opponent uh, who also has those weeks and and it is two weeks that Ohio State has available uh, to to kind of step in and replace Washington is is not going to be easy now maybe you can offer something as Ohio State to to a a bigger name opponent than whatever they have on their schedule and you know works out for them to cancel something else but there is that kind of looming Boston College series that they've talked about in the past sitting out there uh, that was supposed to be scheduled, I want to say in 2020, I don't remember what year it was, but it's been postponed and, and whatnot, but it's still, as far as I understand, it's still supposed to be played at some point. Maybe they they talk to Boston College, see if they can work something out there. I have to think it is going to be an opponent like that. It won't be a major opponent, you know, uh, like what they've got with Texas or Alabama or Georgia or Oregon coming down the pipeline just because of the short no- notice. Now, we did see in 2020 teams were able to schedule opponents within a week of each other. I just don't know if you can get somebody to to work with you that's that's going to really attract uh, you know the the national attention that 
some of those other opponents I mentioned. Now, is in terms of why, and I think most people can can probably look at the schedule and, and understand this. Ohio State doesn't want to have back-to-back years with minimum home games. And, and this next season, I think they only have six home games. Is that right? Yep. On the schedule. If they'd played uh, Washington next year in 2024 away, that would have been the same thing um, with the way the Big Ten schedule is going to work out most likely. There's also the fact you're adding USC and UCLA to the Big Ten. We won't get the Big Ten schedule until October of this year for the 2024 season. But I imagine that there's been talks behind the scenes about what that's going to look like. And you know, maybe Ohio State is aware that you're going to have a USC or UCLA trip in there. Maybe they know just because of the, the strength of opponent that they don't need that Washington series. Uh, I also would, would say, and this is no slight to Washington, but if you look at Texas, Alabama, Georgia, Oregon, if you were going to have to get rid of one of those series, I think Washington's probably the easiest one just from a what's this going to do to our attendance. You need these marquee games. I mean, you look at attendance for some of the other games that we, we see at Ohio Stadium, the, the non-marquee, non-conference games, even some of the Big Ten games that aren't against the Penn States, the Michigans, uh, Wisconsin's. Ohio State needs to have big games in the non-conference portion of the schedule, but if you have to get rid of one, that's probably one that, that wasn't going to draw as well as Alabama, Georgia, Texas. Uh, and then the final thing is in 2025, Ohio State was supposed to play both Washington and Texas, which I think, I know we've talked before, Dave, I've talked with other people about it. That would have been like video game scheduling, not what we normally see, uh, you know, two marquee opponents, power five opponents on the schedule. So I don't know if that had anything to do with it. If the Buckeyes were kind of like, well, Maybe we don't play both of those teams in one year. I haven't heard that from anybody, but I do know that that's something that always caught my eye when I was looking at those future schedules. Like, wow, that's going to be a doozy of a non-conference schedule. And maybe Ohio State realized, look, we can we can fill this with with someone else that maybe you know we won't have as, as difficult of an opponent there coming into the horseshoe. And USC could be on the schedule in twenty twenty four. In fact, I bet they will. I bet they will be. I mean, um, we'll see what happens. I know the Big Ten is going to release. Um, the 2024 schedule, I believe, in October. So that'll be very interesting to see if uh, USC and Ohio State, and I bet they will. I mean, the two, they're going to be the two, you know, two of the three marquee programs in the conference, along with Michigan. Um, and you could say it's Ohio State and USC are the two biggest brands. Um, I think Michigan fans would argue with that, but I don't think many other people would. So that could that could be a factor too. Um, I also have heard people say, well, maybe this is a precursor that Washington's going to be joining the Big Ten. I don't think so at all. What do you think? I don't think that has anything to do with this. Yeah, I was asked that last week on, on a show that I did, and that hadn't even crossed my mind. I, I know that Michigan, I think, canceled the series with UCLA, and so people have said that they thought maybe that had to do with uh, because of the, the the new conference stuff. I don't think so. I mean, Washington's certainly been mentioned as a program that if the Big Ten wants to expand further and take more from the Pac-12, that they could be. But I, I don't. I don't think Ohio State was looking at it from that perspective at all if that does end up being the case. So I agree with you, Dave. I don't think that was much of a factor. If they were going to join the Big Ten, then it would have been very easy to just have, have that series already on the schedule. And, and now you're kind of used to what it's like going out to Washington. So, no, I'm not I'm not in that category in terms of why that happened. I've seen a couple of Buckeye fans um, that live in the Pacific Northwest that are not very pleased about this because they're like, 
okay, I was going to get a chance to see Ohio State play Oregon up here, and, and that got canceled. And then, okay, we're going to get a chance to see the Buckeyes play Washington up here, and then that got canceled. So the poor Buckeye fans in the Pacific Northwest are not liking these cancellations. All right, let's get into uh, spring ball. It's just over two weeks away. Ohio State's kicking off spring ball March 7th. Um, let's get into the main storylines we're going to be looking at. Not all of them, but uh, other than quarterbacks, I'm going to ask you specifically about that next. Uh, what are some uh, storylines you're, you're really focused on? Offensive line, you know, yes. secondary, the, you know, second year, the Knowles defense. Just, what are you keeping a, a close eye on when spring ball starts? Well, you hit on the two there that I was going to mention. I think the secondary is going to be very interesting. Obviously, heading into the offseason, we were discussing, okay, the depth at cornerback. Now, that's been addressed a little bit. When Ohio State added Davison Igmanosan from Ole Miss, I will be very interested to see kind of where he's slotting in. I don't know if we'll have a great sense of kind of the pecking order there, but this is a guy who, who was highly recruited, obviously played last season as a freshman in the SEC. So where does he kind of rank in, in Ohio State's cornerbacks? You got Denzel Burke back. You've got Jordan Hancock, who would like to, to have a bigger year. You got some of the young guys who didn't play a ton. So how does this all how does this all shake out at least through spring practice and just the improvements? I mean, Jim Knowles said when we talked to him at the beginning of February that he really only installed about two thirds of the defense. So what more can that bring for this secondary? Who is playing where? Because I do think, especially at the safety spots, you could see guys move around, especially in spring practice as they experiment a little bit. Uh, you know, where is Lathan Ransom? Is he still in the bandit role? Uh, does Josh Proctor, is he the next guy to step in for the departed Ronnie Hickman? Because he started last season as, as the bandit. Um, you know, is it immediately Cameron Martinez's job as the slot nickel, whatever we're calling that? Or does Jihad Carter quickly slot in there? Because he's a very different body type than Cameron Martinez or Tanner McAllister, who we saw play that position most last year. He could even possibly play some corner, I've seen some people suggest. So just how does that all shake out? And then, obviously, you mentioned the offensive line. Three starters gone. Who is who is kind of the, the first guys to take reps at the two tackle positions and at center? We do know that Jacob James, who I think most people thought heading into the offseason, was going to be the, the first guy up at center, is not going to take part in spring practice. So who is stepping in there? It's, it's going to be a lot of guys who haven't had experience at all three of those positions, really other than Josh Fryer, who did play a good amount for the Buckeyes, is kind of that sixth man on the offensive line. But I know we're going to talk about the quarterback in a second, but the development, the maturity, whatever you want to call it, of that offensive line is, is going to be hugely important for the success of this offense because, as we know, you, you aren't getting anywhere unless you have an offensive line, especially as Ohio State gets into kind of the meat of the schedule. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not going to be an easy – time for a new starting quarterback if the offensive line can't keep him standing upright yeah the secondary is going to be interesting I think they got to find a spot for Sonny Styles. um yeah. high Stokes is going to be in the mix Josh Proctor I don't know every season it seems like I say okay this is going to be his year I, th I'm, I think I'm off that train now now I'm just like okay I'm not going to talk up Josh Proctor if he has a great year great um I'm not projecting him as a starter though um it's good to have depth um that can disappear fast as we all know but um yeah they've got a lot of guys out there I think, I think Jihad Carter will start. Um, it's going to be interesting what they do with Kai Stokes. Um, he's a guy that can play the adjuster. Um, but then what do you do with Lathan Ransoms? I think you have to have Sonny Styles at Bandit. Who knows? It'll be interesting to see how they shake it out. But um, all well, right. Um, I do think Sonny Styles. I mean, he's a guy who could do a lot of different things, right? I mean, there's been yeah. talk about would he play linebacker. So you know, Jim Knowles 
you, you could get creative here with a guy like that. And just because he's had these positions before, you know, if you have a unique guy like Sonny Styles, maybe you create some kind of different role or move him around. Uh, maybe you even adjust the way you've done things with the hybrid positions and whatnot to, to get Sonny Styles on the field doing some different things because he can do so much from what we've seen from him already at Ohio State, but especially in high school with his size and athleticism. It'll be interesting certainly to see how they use him and, and if it is pigeonholed into one role or if he's a guy who can move around and do a variety of things for the Buckeye defense. Yeah, I agree with you. I think they're going to be creative with him, and they'll continue to be more creative with him as he gets older. Right. I think we all forget. He should still be finishing up high school right now. He should be getting ready for high school prom here in a few months, and he's actually going to be a sophomore now. It's unbelievable that you can um, play at this level. Like, Not that he played a lot as a true freshman, but to be able to play this level of college football, you should be a high school senior. is just amazing to me. It's hard enough to play as like a real true freshman. So, so I think Sonny Styles is going to be a star. I'm not he played against Georgia. He was in the game against yeah, Georgia. A lot, a lot. Yeah, he did. I think that might have been the most he played all year was against Georgia. I, I, I absolutely love it. Every time he was in there, he was flashing all year when he'd get in there. Mostly it was garbage time early in the year, like against Toledo and stuff like that. Yeah. He's out there just cracking heads. It was and tied then, for the most snaps he'd played, and the other one was in the blowout against Michigan State. There you go. I mean, that says a lot that he played against Georgia, I mean, yeah. you know, as much as he did. Real quick, before we get to the quarterbacks, I want to answer a question from Mike. So I'm sure other people are wondering this. Mike Schaefer on YouTube. Will Ohio State add another player in the transfer portal? And if so, what position? Now, I did get a chance to ask Ryan Day about this early this month signing day press conference when they obviously didn't sign anybody because they signed everybody in the early period, which is pretty much what everybody does now. But we got a chance to speak with Ryan Day for a while. I asked him, I said, are you guys probably done now adding the transfer portal? Might you look, you know, continue to look? And he basically said, paraphrasing, we're always going to look. Now, my guess, Patrick, I want to get your take on this. I'm guessing they're done adding to the transfer uh, from the transfer portal. Maybe they will add it somebody else. Who knows? Um, I do think they're going to lose a guy or two after spring. But I don't think they're going to add anybody else. I think they've done a really good job this year in the portal. What do you think? I think it all depends on how spring practice plays out. The position that I would look at the most is that tackle spot, either tackle spot. If if they come out of spring practice feeling that they don't have a starting left or starting right tackle, then I think you have to at least look in the transfer portal. But then there also has to be a guy in the transfer portal that – is worth bringing to Ohio state, right? So not only will it be how Ohio state spring practice goes, but how other spring practices go, because right now, I mean, Ohio state offered four, I think tackles in the transfer portal in the first window and didn't get any of them, obviously, but there, there wasn't a fifth guy that they thought was worthwhile to, to bring to Ohio state. So there would have to be somebody new to enter the transfer portal that, that for whatever reason, doesn't feel like he's going to play, at his school, and then that person has to be good enough to play at Ohio State. And Ohio State has to look at guys like Josh Fryer and, and the other tackles and say, okay, we need another body in here. We need another player. So I think it all hinges on how things go in the spring. And if I were betting one way or the other, I'd probably lean on your side of things because I do think Ohio State is generally more conservative in terms of using the transfer portal. They have been less so this, this offseason. But, yeah, I, I, I think it's probably more likely than not that they don't. But that would be the one position if they don't feel like they have their guy at, at one of the tackle spots that I could see them going back into the portal for in May. 
All right, as promised, let's talk quarterback. Um, obviously, Tom Accord and Devin Brown battling it out, and they're friends. That's another cool thing. Like they, they get along well. Got a chance to talk to both of them at Peach Bowl Media Day. There's something special about Devin Brown as a young man. I will say that. He's just very so charismatic, and um, I like his film now. I don't know of the level of competition he was playing in Utah, but my gosh, does his high school film look good. Um, and but Kyle McCord's got an even stronger arm. He's got the experience. He's actually started a game at Ohio State. He's a year older, handpicked by Ryan Day. They were both handpicked by Ryan Day, but Ryan Day picked Kyle McCord over J.J. McCarthy. They could have had either one. So my question for you, sir, um, at any point during spring or even immediately after spring, do you think Ryan Day is even going to like, tell us a leader at the quarterback position? No, I don't. No. I just – I don't – What's the point if you're Ryan Day? If, if right. you put that out publicly, then not only do you have one of the quarterbacks feeling like, okay, they're behind, even if it's not naming a starter, if it's just saying, you know, Kyle McCord's ahead or Devin Brown's ahead, then it's out there publicly. Um, I think then you have families, you know, there's just a lot of reasons not to to put that out. I think we'll be able to speculate based on what we see. Obviously the spring game, everyone is going to have opinions on how the quarterbacks play. I'd like to remind people that that's just one of the 15 practices they have this spring and they'll have even more come the fall. So I know Ryan Day said that he'd like to have, I believe he said he'd like to have a vision of who the starter will be come the end of spring, which is different than what he said in the past, but I still can't imagine the, unless one guy is just clearly the guy, right? Unless Kyle McCord or Devin Brown goes out and, and everyone in the building knows, but even then, I mean, Justin Fields was clearly the guy and Ryan. Right. Didn't name it yet. So right. this, this to me is, is going to carry into fall camp. You don't want one of these guys to up and leave in the off season. Not that that's the only reason to, to not name a starter, but you know, I think you want to give these guys the legitimate opportunity to compete all the way through. I think once you get to fall camp, then you start to have to, not set a deadline, but really start to think about, okay, when do we name a starter? Because you want a guy to, to grab control of the offense as well as, you know, just know he's the guy. But I don't think you need to have that in place until the spring. I don't think it benefits anyone. Will they have private conversations? Yeah, I'm sure Ryan Day will sit down with both quarterbacks, Corey Dennis, uh, Brian Hartline, all everyone involved, and there will be discussions internally. But putting it out there publicly – I'm not sure that does anyone any good. No, I'm with you. I, and I bet you Ryan Day right now knows who his guy is. But he's not going to – what? You you articulated that perfectly. What does he have to gain by doing that? Yeah. And you could say, you know, you know, there, we do have a commenter here. Um, it's just met him. I'm sorry if I'm uh, mispronouncing your name. It's it, Tim. Oh, it's just me, Tim. I should. This is why I should have my, my reading glasses on. It's just me, Tim79 says – there are some good reasons to name the starter early. I get that. Then you know who your guy is, but then you risk alienating. Let's say you name Comacord. Is Devin Brown going to stick around? I think knowing Devin Brown, he would. Because it wouldn't be like Comacord. I don't think it would be like, oh, Comacord's our guy, period. Devin Brown has no chance. Um, right. I think Devin Brown would still stick around, but why even risk that? So, But I bet you right now, Ryan Day knows. He certainly will know leaving spring. I bet you right now he knows. But I think you know there Fields. He didn't even name Justin Fields the starter over Gunnar Hoke and Chris Chuganoff to like two weeks before the opener in fall camp. So, yeah, go ahead. I think there are certain situations where it makes sense to do it early. I think the Justin Fields situation would have been the perfect time. I mean, yes, you want him to show everybody that he has to come in and compete and wasn't promised anything, but 
there are there are clearly times when you know who the guy's going to be. Everyone can tell. Um, I just think that this is a legitimate quarterback competition. Both of these guys are very talented, and they're going to have to go out and compete throughout this whole process. So that's the way I see it. And I, I did want to clarify one thing since we're talking quarterbacks. I wrote the other day about how Ryan Day talked about when we, we spoke to him, as you mentioned, that they were looking that he mentioned guys that can create. And I think when I saw some people comment on, on that story that, Oh, well then that means Devin Brown's going to be the guy. I don't, I, I think Kyle McCord is more athletic. I know Kyle McCord is more athletic than some people think he's not just a statue back there. Right. And, you know, Devin Brown may be a more dual threat guy, but you don't need, as we saw with CJ Stroud, when he did decide to run, you don't need a guy who can take it for 70 yards you know, Caleb Williams style. Now that's great if you have it, but you just need a guy who, who can move around, who can do some things. And Ryan Day referenced the, the NFL. Look at the Super Bowl. You know, Patrick Mahomes didn't rush for a ton of yards in that game. Jalen Hurts rushed for three touchdowns. You just need guys who can be effective and get you the plays you need. I think both quarterbacks are, are capable of doing that. So I don't think that leans one way or the other. I just think it's interesting that Ryan Day is leaning more towards, hey, we want somebody who can use his legs a bit more than maybe what we've had the last two seasons. I think Joe Burrow is a good example of yeah, like, that's you know, like, I mean, he just picks up every game. He picks up one or two cheap first downs and like he does a good job of moving in the pocket, keeping the play alive, moving up you know, in the pocket, moving back. You know, you mentioned Patrick Mahomes that he's a master of that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, uh, you're right. Kyle McCord is plenty athletic enough. Um, to pick up those cheap first downs. I do wonder how much, you know, Coach Day's telling his guys not to run because we didn't see it with C.J. Stroud until the Maryland game and then the Georgia game. Other than that, like, throughout his career, he, like, never ran the ball, it seemed like. Um, all right, I'm just asking you this because this this question was posed to me, and I hadn't really heard much about this. So we know Kevin Warren um, has moved on uh, from Big Ten commissioner. He's going to be, what, the uh, – he's in the front office of the Chicago Bears. Justin Fields just cannot get away from Kevin Warren, can he? Um, so I had somebody ask me, is Gene Smith in the running to be Big Ten commissioner? And I thought, well, he should be. Like, I, I hadn't heard anything about that. So I'm going I'm to throw it to you. Do you think Gene Smith might be in the running to be the Big Ten commissioner? Have you heard anything about that? I think it makes sense to, to at least speculate on it. Now, I do believe, I think it was talking to the Columbus Dispatch, Gene Smith said he's not interested. I could be wrong on where that is, but I know somewhere he said he's not interested in that job. Now, people have said those things before and obviously still taking the jobs. But, look, Gene Smith isn't a young guy. I think if you are the Big Ten, you're ideally looking for somebody who's going to be there a while. So I, I do think there is some things that make sense in that that front. Um, obviously, it would be a logical next step going from Ohio State to leading the Big Ten for Gene Smith. But I could also see him being comfortable finishing his career before he retires at Ohio State, obviously, you know, you can say what you want about Gene Smith. I think he would say his Ohio State tenure has been pretty successful. And so maybe, you know, family's here. You don't have to move everybody over to uh, out to Chicago for the, to be the Big Ten. I think you could uh, I think you could see him staying for sure. And I, I have no issue believing when he says he's not interested in the job at this point in his career. Maybe a younger Gene Smith would have taken it. But I understand why people would would kind of jump to those conclusions because it would be a next logical step for a successful Ohio State AD. Well, and as you know, when um, before Kevin Warren um, was hired, we had never heard that name before. When Jim Delaney was stepping down, there was all kinds of speculation um, that Jim Phillips, the AD at Northwestern, was going to be the next Big Ten commissioner. And then Kevin Warren got the job, and then Jim Phillips went to the ACC. 
If Gene doesn't want the job, I wonder if they'll try and get Jim Phillips back in the Big Ten, have him become the Big Ten commissioner. Because why would you want to stay in the ACC if it's not very stable? I right. mean, it's basically the two power uh, power five conferences that are stable are the SEC and the Big Ten. Um, right now, it looks like the Big 12 might be the third most stable, which is crazy to say that. Um, all right. Patrick and I are now going to talk Ohio State basketball. So if that's not your jam, thank you for joining us. We get it. Um, man, all right. I'll see you later, I, Dave. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's not, not our jam either. Oh, gosh. I mean, it just keeps getting worse. They've now lost eight straight games. Not that anybody thought they were going to beat Purdue yesterday, but they were only 12 and a half point underdogs. They, they more than doubled that. They lost by 27. Zed Key didn't play. I don't think that would have made much of a difference. Um, they've lost eight straight. They've lost 13 of their last 14 games. This is by far the worst basketball we've seen at Ohio State in a quarter century. Oh, goodness gracious. Now, we know Chris Holtman's not going anywhere. There's 20 million reasons why he's not. I wonder if he didn't have the contract extension if he would be in hot water right now. Man, what do you make of this? I mean, obviously, Chris Holtman's not going anywhere. A lot to unpack there. Yeah, uh, it, it's tough to even talk about at this point. I feel like every time I get asked about the basketball team, I'm saying the same things. Like, there just aren't answers. Uh, this This roster isn't well-constructed. I think going into the season, there were reasons to be hopeful, but the transfers haven't worked out other than maybe Sean McNeil on the court. Isaac likely has turned into a really good leader, but he doesn't contribute much on the court. I think they expected Isaac likely to be the starting point guard and run things, but then Bruce Thornton came in and was obviously the guy uh, kind of took command of that even in the preseason. So They've had to shift how Isaac likely has done things, and that just has not worked out for him. Tanner Holden is, is, is MIA. The freshman class has been good. I wrote yesterday after the game that it's time to just focus on those guys that, you know, the freshmen and, and guys that are going to be back next year. And that's not to say Justice Suing and some of those other guys won't play. They have to play. But the season's done. I mean, there's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it at this point. I don't see this team just going on a run and winning the Big Ten tournament, which would be the only way you get into the NCAA tournament. I don't even know if this team at this point is an NIT team. I mean, you look at the record of some of the bad NIT teams last year. Ohio State doesn't have that record right now. They're, you know, what, four games under 500. So my thought is you, you focus on what you can do to get ready for next season, and, and that's these freshmen. Um, Chris Holtman has started three freshmen the last two games adding Roddy Gale to the starting lineup. And then yesterday, uh, Felix Akpara, you mentioned Zed Key doesn't play. He started, I think that's the third time this year. So I would roll with those four a lot and just see what you get from them. Obviously, you know Bryce Sensabaugh, and we, we assume he's going to head to the NBA draft. If I'm him, I would be thinking about coming back. I just don't think his game is polished enough. He'll be drafted, and, and you know he'll probably play because of the, the potential that he has. But I think he could really help himself with another year. I doubt that it'll do that. But Bruce Thornton, I'd ride with those guys right now and, and just try and see what they do, how they can continue to develop with more minutes. And then you know the focus has to be on next season. And as you mentioned, Dave, yeah, Chris Holtman has that contract. But if this, if this carries over into next year, and let's not sugarcoat it, there are going to be holes on this roster that have to be filled outside of the incoming freshman class you're going to need to probably go back into the transfer portal to, to find, uh, you know, a power forward, especially if, uh, if Bryce Sensabaugh does leave, 
you're going to need a shooting guard. You know, just because this is a talented freshman class, as we've seen, doesn't mean they come in day one ready to go, all of them. So the, the heat will continue with Chris Holtman next year. Obviously, the non-conference schedule, you should be able to, to handle that as they did this season. But I, w- I would be as focused as much as I can on, on getting ready for next year and making sure that that's a good year if you're Chris Holtman because that could be the, year, that could be the season that, that dictates whether you remain at Ohio State or not. In terms of this year, I, I just don't know what else to say about them. They just haven't – it hasn't worked. It hasn't worked. And that, that, that's really about it. Great stuff from Patrick Murphy. Thank you very much, Patrick. Thank you to all of the listeners and viewers out there for tuning into the show. We appreciate you guys very much. Happy President's Day. Hope everyone enjoys the rest of your day. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.